Hello Wanderers, today we'll explore a problematic character, one with whom Tolkien struggled even in the last month of his life. This character is a major figure in the first, second, and third ages, and looks to be the central protagonist of Rings of Power, Galadriel. Welcome! In the Lore of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle Earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Bhagavan fellow wanderers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Today's episode date is August 18th. We are 14 days away from the global premiere of Amazon's Rings of Power series. On this day, Middle-earth, in the year 2941, Bilbo and the dwarves are still in the forest of Mirkwood. In the year 3019, Frodo and company are returning to the Shire and arrive at Helm's Deep in Rohan. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-Earth History calendar on the OneRing.net. Let's check the map. These map checks are inspired by the beautiful maps that accompany the Lord of the Rings books and I hope give you the context for today's story. If none of this makes sense, please listen to a few previous episodes and catch back up. Here's a quick life sketch of Galadriel, as told in The Silmarillion. Galadriel was born in Valinor during the time of the Two Trees of Valinor. She saw their light and knew of their glory. Of all the elves in Middle-earth, she was, quote, the mightiest and fairest, for she was, quote, of the Noldor and remembered the day before days in Valinor. After the darkening of Valinor, Galadriel crossed into exile into Middle-earth with the rest of the Noldor, and dwelt for most of the First Age with Celeborn and Melian in Doriath. Galadriel's brother was Finrod, who died in Sauron's dungeons protecting the Man Baron. At some point, Celeborn and Galadriel go east and establish more elven realms, eventually becoming the Lord and Lady of Lothlorien by the Third Age. Now, we are jumping all around Middle-earth and through time, from the First Age to the Third, so please listen to my previous episodes if you need a refresher. The character of Galadriel is not straightforward. Her importance to the world of J.R.R. Tolkien grew slowly and was constantly evolving. In a book called Unfinished Tales, Christopher Tolkien wrote this, quote, There is no part of the history of Middle-earth more full of problems than the story of Galadriel and Celeborn, and it must be admitted that here are severe inconsistencies embedded in the traditions, or to look at the matter from another point of view, that the role and importance of Galadriel only emerged slowly, and that her story underwent continual refashionings. My attempt today is not to share the finer points of these inconsistencies and refashionings, but to give a deep insight into the various aspects of Galadriel that Tolkien did write, even if we don't have a definitive answer. A great example of the continual refashionings is a partially illegible note that Tolkien jotted down near the end of his life. Galadriel's importance in the story weighed heavily on Tolkien's mind, as Christopher put it, quote, The last writing of my fathers on the subject of Galadriel and Celeborn 
and probably the last on Middle-earth, and Valinor was set down in the last month of his life. Even in Tolkien's final month of life, he wrestled with Galadriel. So today we will wander through several works of Tolkien to describe Galadriel's personality, her gift of perception, and how she is the personification of the two trees of Valinor. The name Galadriel was given to her by Celeborn. Celeborn was a sylvan elf in the halls of King Thingol and Doriath, and when Thingol learned of the kinslaying, commanded that only the Sindarin language be spoken in Middle-earth. But the Noldorine version of Galadriel is Alatariel, which means maiden crowned with a garland of radiance. I won't dive into the elvish roots of that word, but basically it's a mashup of a specific type of light or reflection, and the words to describe the garlands of flowers that elf maidens would wear at festival times. Galadriel chose to be known by this name because she felt it was the fairest of her names. Her father had given her the name of Artanis, meaning noble woman, whereas her mother would later give her a name, Nerwen, meaning man-maiden. An interesting choice for her mother, but not without reason, for Galadriel was unusually tall, equally as tall as the elf males, and was known for her strength, stature, and courage. In Unfinished Tales, we get this description, quote, She was strong of body, mind, and will, a match for both the lore masters and the athletes of the Eldar in the days of their youth. Not only was she described with having great intelligence and physical prowess, but also, quote, even among the Eldar, she was accounted beautiful, for her hair was a marvel unmatched. In Carl Hostetter's book, The Nature of Middle-Earth, we get another additional detail that Tolkien wrote about her hair, quote, in her youth, she wore her hair in three long braids, the middle one being wound about her head. I'm imagining something a bit more elegant than Princess Leia's cinnamon roll braids. We'll get back to her hair in just a minute, and even examine why Gimli's request to keep a strand of her hair is just a unique ask. Let's come back to her mother-given name, Nerwin, or Man-Maiden. In the days of her youth, Galadriel was, quote, fond of wandering afar, and was, quote, proud, strong, and self-willed. We see several glimpses of this through the Silmarillion and other works by Tolkien. For instance, in the Silmarillion, when the Noldor are becoming restless, and Feanor is stirring them up to rebel against the Valar and return to Middle-earth, Galadriel was in the thick of the debate. She was, quote, the only woman of the Noldor to stand that day tall and valiant among the contending princes, and was eager to be gone. Her motivation was to rule the realm in Middle-earth of her own will, and be subject to no other's power. She also felt confined in Valinor, and, quote, wished for freedom. For, quote, being brilliant in mind and swift in action, she had early absorbed all that she was capable of of the teaching of the Valar. And though her wisdom was great, even in the days of her youth, being even wiser than Feanor, quote, her wisdom increased with the long years, and it wouldn't be until she refused the temptation of the ring that, quote, her wisdom was full-grown and she would pass out of Middle-earth. When the Valar called the Noldor back and forbade them to leave, Galadriel was unrelenting. After Feanor abandoned most of the Noldor across the stark ice of the north, Galadriel was one of the principal leaders that brought her people through, something we've seen teased in the Rings of Power trailers. One less interesting tidbit about Galadriel's personality, quote, From her earliest years, she had a marvelous gift of insight into the minds of others. We'll dive deeper on this gift of perception and what Galadriel was able to perceive in Feanor and later in the Fellowship right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, 
Every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. If you would like to purchase any of the books that I'm referring to today, use the links in the show notes. And if you don't have a subscription to Amazon Prime or Amazon Video, there's links in the show notes for you to try a free trial. A great example of Galadriel's gift of perception and foresight is in The Return of the King. In the chapter, Many Partings, Treebeard speaks with Celeborn and Galadriel, and he says some lines that may be familiar to the avid movie watcher. Quote, It is sad that we should meet only thus at the ending, for the world is changing. I feel it in the water, I feel it in the earth, and I smell it in the air. I do not think we shall meet again. Celeborn simply responds by saying, quote, I do not know, eldest. But Galadriel has more to offer, saying, quote, not in Middle-earth, nor until the lands that lie under the wave are lifted up again. Then in the willow meads of Tasarinan, we may meet in the spring. Whoa, what? What lands are being lifted up again? And what in the world is Tasarinan? A quick look in Robert Froster's Complete Guide to Middle-earth, which is an excellent guidebook for the Middle-earth wanderer, we learn that Tasarinan is Nantathren. Uh, what? Nantathren is a little part of Beleriand by the river Sirion and Narog. The whole continent of Beleriand was drowned under the sea at the end of the First Age. So Galadriel here is making a prediction. At some point, Beleriand may rise again, and then Galadriel and Celeborn may meet Treebeard in the willows in the spring. Another example of Galadriel's marvelous gift of perception into others' minds is when the Fellowship arrives in Lorien, and Galadriel, quote, held them with her eyes, and in silence looked searchingly at each of them in turn. The hobbits and Boromir later surmised that she was offering them what each wanted most, as a test, as Boromir says, quote, she thought to read our thoughts for her own good purpose. Again, after Frodo looks into the mirror of Galadriel, she knows what Frodo sees and even divines his thoughts. She also says, quote, I perceive the Dark Lord and know his mind, or all of his mind that concerns the elves. Indeed, she first perceived a gathering evil in the East during the Second and Third Ages. In the Second Age, she and Celeborn, among others, established the realm of Eregion near Khazad-dûm, and eventually they would pass through and take up the lordship of the land of Lothlorien as a strategic outpost against Sauron. Quote, Galadriel was more far-sighted in this than Celeborn, and she perceived from the beginning that Middle-earth could not be saved from the residue of evil that Morgoth had left behind him, save by a union of all peoples, who were in their way and in their measure opposed to him. Galadriel was thus a uniting factor in Middle-earth, seeking to unite all good peoples against the evil remnant of Morgoth's servants. Celeborn hated the dwarves, for his part, because it was the dwarves who had brought about the downfall of his homeland Doriath in the First Age. He carries a scorn that we see in how he treats Gimli in the Fellowship of the Ring. But not Galadriel, no. Quote, she looked upon the dwarves with the eye of a commander, seeing in them the finest warriors to pit against the orcs. However, this gift of perception comes with a complication, one that even Christopher Tolkien noted in Unfinished Tales. Why didn't she perceive Sauron for the evil lord he was? while he took on the fair form Anatar and mentored the smiths of Eregion in the crafting of magical rings. At the time, Sauron also called himself Aulindel, meaning one who followed the Vala Aule. But, quote, Galadriel was not deceived. 
for she herself had learned from Aule, and Aulindil, a.k.a. Anatar, a.k.a. Sauron, hadn't been there. So she was suspicious of Anatar Sauron from the beginning, but at that time she wasn't able to pierce his deceptions and see him in his true form. This complication parallels Gilgalad's and Elrond's suspicions of Anatar, even though they did not fully perceive his evilness. But there was one character that Galadriel could see through instantly, Feanor, the crafter of the Silmarils and leader of the Noldorine Rebellion. In Unfinished Tales, her gift of insight into others' minds as it relates to Feanor is described like this, quote, She judged with mercy and understanding, and she withheld her goodwill from none save only Feanor. In him she perceived a darkness that she hated and feared. Even in the days of her youth, Galadriel mistrusted Feanor, and even at times would block his goals, even though he was her uncle. In one account of the kinslaying, she, quote, fought heroically in defense of Alqualonde against the assault of the Noldor. And I love this new word that Tolkien invented long before Facebook, quote, these two kinsfolk, the greatest of the Eldar and Valinor, were unfriends forever. Let's circle back to Galadriel's hair for a moment. It was golden, that we know, like her father's, quote, but richer and more radiant, for its gold was touched by some memory of the star-like silver of her mother. From the Silmarillion we learn, quote, her hair was lit with gold, as though it had caught in a mesh the radiance of Laurelin. Indeed, it was even said that in her hair the light of the two trees had blended, so much so that her hair inspired Feanor to craft the Silmarils, so that he could blend the light of the trees. Feanor, so enamored with the radiance of Galadriel's hair, begged her three times for a tress of her hair. Quote, but Galadriel would not give him even one hair. Hold on, Feanor asked for a tress of her hair three times, and Galadriel refused him three times. You may be thinking of someone else who requested a strand of Galadriel's hair, Gimli the dwarf. When the Fellowship is leaving Lorien, Galadriel virtually commands Gimli to ask her a gift, to which he says, quote, nothing, unless it might be, unless it is permitted to ask, nay, to name a single strand of your hair, which surpasses the gold of the earth as the stars surpass the gems of the mine. Here was the same request, a strand of hair made by a stranger, not her kinsman, and from a lowly mortal dwarf, not one of the noble house of the Noldor, like Feanor. No wonder the elves were so shocked, and Celeborn, quote, gazed in wonder. Galadriel asks what Gimli would do with her hair. He says he will treasure it in memory, and, quote, it shall be set in imperishable crystal to be an heirloom of my house, and a pledge of goodwill between the mountain and the wood until the end of days. So Gimli would have done what Feanor had done, Feanor had preserved the blended light of the trees in the Silmarils, which were like crystals imperishable, and Gimli intended to preserve her hair, which radiated as the blended light of the two trees, in crystal imperishable. Galadriel grants his request, giving him three strands of her hair. Why focus so much on Galadriel's hair? Because her hair is the first point in my final exploration of Galadriel's character. She is the personification of the two trees of Valinor. I don't mean that literally because you should know by now that Tolkien's metaphors are much more subtle. For example, I mentioned a few minutes ago that her hair was gold from her father, but somehow also radiated silver from her mother. The two trees of Valinor were Telperion the silver tree and Laurelin the golden tree. Not only did Galadriel give Gimli three strands of hair, she also gave him a blessing, quote, Gimli's hands shall flow with gold, and yet over him gold shall have no dominion. Thus gold would flow, just as golden light flowed from the flowers of Laurelin before the rising of the sun. Galadriel brought the Malorn trees, those golden trees, to Lothlorien. Even the name she gave to that land originally was Lorelindorinan, Valley of Singing Gold. This name was how Treebeard the Ant identified the land to Merry and Pippin in the Two Towers, Lorelindorinan, 
That is what the elves used to call it, but now they make the name shorter. Lothlorien, they call it. Land of the Valley of Singing Gold. That was it, once upon a time. This old name for her land was an obvious reference to Laurelin the Golden, for Christopher wrote in Unfinished Tales, that name was, quote, deliberately echoing the name of the golden tree that grew in Valinor, for which, as is plain, Gladriel's longing increased year by year, to, at last, an overwhelming regret. When the Fellowship first meets the Lord and Lady, it says, quote, the hair of the lady was of deep gold, and the hair of the Lord Celeborn was of silver, long and bright. Even Celeborn was the perfect match for Galadriel, because together they represent the two trees. Celeborn's name has its roots in the same elvish words that made the name of the silver tree of Valinor, that is, Telperion. Caleb and Taleb are different elvish words for silver. Even Galadriel's ring reinforces her as the personification of the light of the trees. When she reveals her ring to Frodo, quote, it glittered like polished gold overlaid with silver light. Again, that mixing of gold and silver light, just like the light of the two trees would blend at the beginning of each day in Valinor. This is why she carried such might and power in Middle-earth. Not only in her memory did the light of the two trees live on, but also in her very being, complemented by Celeborn, did the light of the two trees grace Middle-earth. That is why she fought against the darkness of Feanor and Sauron. That is why she gave Frodo a light, saying, quote, May it be a light to you in dark places. She is the light for Middle-earth. Gladriel is a powerful, compelling character, one who influenced several major events in Middle-earth's history from the very beginning. Although her tale isn't straightforward and definitive, I think we can still appreciate her complexity, depth, and power. And I, for one, look forward to seeing Galadriel portrayed in the Rings of Power series. Woo, we covered a lot of ground today. And if at first it felt like the darkness of Khazad-dûm, then I hope I've been able to shed some light and help you find your way. Today's references were from The Silmarillion, The Lord of the Rings, Unfinished Tales, The Complete Guide to Middle-earth, and The Nature of Middle-earth. You can find all of these books using the links in the show notes. Oh, again, if you haven't signed up for Amazon Prime or Prime Video yet, you can do that too using the links in the show notes. I recommend starting a free trial now so you can get all the Rings of Power episodes in the coming weeks. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.